Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If you have a paranormal experience, are you having a paranormal experience or are you psychotic? How can you really tell? Can the answer be both at the same time? Well, hello there and welcome to the 495th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben and those pretty scary questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening we bring you a familiar name in the paranormal field to discuss a question that uh, we and I am uh, sure he as well almost always gets on the first day of a paranormal case. Am I crazy? So we do welcome uh, calls this evening, and the local number is 401-766-1240 or 800-449-1420. No, 1240. 1240. Let's confuse everybody. Yes, so that's 449-1240 uh, from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. The stuff we talk about is confusing enough sometimes. Anyway, I can't believe it's been over three years. Is that possible since he was last with us? But tonight we're pleased to welcome Dr. Barry Taft to his third appearance on Behind the Paranormal. He holds doctorate in psychophysiology and is a world-renowned parapsychologist who worked as a research associate at UCLA's former parapsychology laboratory from 1969 through 1978. During his four-decade career... Dr. Taff has investigated more than 4,000 cases of ghosts, hauntings, and poltergeists and has conducted extensive studies in telepathy and precognition, eventually developing the initial protocols and methodologies for what was later termed remote viewing. Uh, He was himself examined as a psychic subject and the results published in the journal Behavioral Neuropsychiatry in 1974 and 1975. One case he investigated in 1974, that was some year for cases, I guess, gained international fame as the book in the 1983 movie The Entity, starring Barbara Hershey and Ron Silver. Dr. Taft served as technical advisor for the film, as well as being represented by the character Gene Kraft. Is that... What? Well, nothing. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Taft has appeared on numerous national and international TV and radio programs, including CBS News, Unsolved Mysteries, The Joan Rivers Show, A Current Affair, Hard Copy, NBC's The Other Side, Haunted History, Mysteries and Scandals, and many, many more. He has consulted for government, business, and law enforcement, including the CIA, ONI, and even the dear old NSA. That's a, I'd be interested in hearing that. He has worked on many Hollywood scripts and has written numerous articles for magazines and journals and has been featured in many books on paranormal subjects ranging from precognition to UFOs. He is the author of Aliens Above, Ghosts Below, Explorations of the Unknown from Cosmic Pantheon Press. His website, BarryTaff.net. So, Dr. Barry Taff, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. It's been, I can't believe it's been three years. No, time oh, I know. Having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, Barry, I grew up with stories of my dad's work in uh, psychiatric hospitals and mm-hmm. the paranormal events that uh, sometimes took place there and the other things of that nature. It's certainly logical that mental illness uh, can cause uh, paranormal experiences, uh, but and maybe paranormal experiences could uh, help cause mental illness. So what is the relationship that you see between the two? Well, first of all, we have to distinguish between what's really going on paranormally and what is going on only in people's minds with no subject to it. Before we assume, in science, before we assume something is paranormal, we must eliminate every other variable, all prosaic, logical, known explanations. Once you get rid of all, you roll all those out, they're gone. Then you start with the paranormal stuff. And once again, you must conform what's called Occam's Razor. All things being equal, you go with the simplest explanation. 
So before we assume that we're talking to dead people, for example, we've got to be sure that we're not just getting some form of very good amount of ESP going on, telepathic, clairvoyant, uh, retrocognition, or whatever. And, and this is the problem, is that the majority of the people out there don't have the education, don't have training to really understand what's been going on in this field for, well, parapsychology actually started in 69, thanks to the work of Dr. Margaret Mead. But before that, it was called psychical research. Now, in my book and on my website, I talk about a number of things I've dealt with, people, cases, that were more indicative of psychiatric disorders than paranormal experiences. And one of the most, well, the blog I published last December, it's called, um, it's called uh, Science Psychosis. Be afraid, be very afraid. And of all the things I've ever put online, I've got so many vitriolic pieces of hate mail from this. I couldn't Actually, I looked at some of that, yeah. The hate mail? Was, well, no, yeah, there's was, stuff on the blog. Oh, right, right. Yeah, right. it's um, apparently, you know, it's interesting. No one complained over the facts I was commenting on. They were angry because I was saying it. It's yes. like, you, you know, it, and I'm saying, look, you know, unfortunately, this is the only field of science in the universe that we know of that doesn't require academic credentials to work within it. Anyone can go out there and say they're a paranormal investigator. And usually does. Right. And paranormal investigation investigator means you're a plumber by day and you chase demons by night. Right. Um, <laughs> there are, put it this way, uh, th- these shows, the glut litany of these what I call paranormal unreality shows, but we won't name them, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think are doing a tremendous disservice to the field oh. because they're making people believe in things that aren't real. The one thing I can guarantee people of, better, okay, the probability of you going out every day or week or whatever on case after case and re- consistently running into paranormal phenomena is the probability of winning the Powerball lottery at the half billion dollar level five times in a row that's true mm-hmm. which means yeah. it's astronomical yeah um we have seen patterns of data emerge in the cases that i've investigated and other colleagues of mine have investigated and they in no way relate to what's being depicted on these shows if you're a paranormal show producer you're an exec- you're creator of the show you've got some logistical problems because you can't have talking heads for 41 minutes and 27 seconds out of every hour, people, your ratings will be as remote as those of capturing a ghost on video. So that means you've got to do one of several things, or all of them. One is you fake stuff, you lie, which I know is going on. Mm-hmm. Two, a number of shows. Two is you embellish and exaggerate anything that could have happened or might have happened to make it seem relevant when it isn't. Three is you populate the show with a bunch of crazy people who are more interesting than if ghosts were on camera because they're acting out a scripted format. These things are staged very carefully. Oh, yeah. And so that's you, if you're, these shows aren't documentaries. They're not about science. They're about entertaining people. The acronym I've come up with for these shows is pronounced EFIM. E-F-I-M. Entertainment for the Ignorant Masses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an appropriate acronym because we know what it really implies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was approached by the creator of the very first show long ago. I didn't know him, but one of my colleagues did. And so I met with him at his production company here in West Los Angeles. And he told me what he wanted to do. I said, well, great, except nothing will happen. 
yeah, we know that, so we're just going to fake it. And when something does happen, we'll make it look like a hoax. He just came out and said that? Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, it was nice meeting you. Walked away. Called me a few more times. No, no. And then they called me to do other shows they were doing, the production company network. And I go, no, 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 I won't do it. Then I finally said, look, what car are you buying me? And what house are you buying me? I said, look, I'm not going to throw my career away for this crap. What's the point? Well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, then, in fact, there are no, there's four people I know of, one of which is myself, who have been officially been banned from one of the cable networks. Hmm. I won't utter their name. I don't want to even promote them because we refuse to lie for them. Mm-hmm. And we're very vocal about that. Last, uh, at the end of 2011, I was contacted by the show Paranormal Witness, and they wanted me to. They wanted to do a show based on one of my cases, the San Pedro case. Okay, so I sent them the chapter. They read that part of my book. They read things I published. They read Barry Conrad's book on it. They saw videos. Okay, fine. So they sent me a contract, and I'm telling you, if I lived to be a million years old, I, I never would expect to get this. It said. Their intent was to discredit me, defame me, ridicule, embarrass, humiliate, libel, and slander me. Good and heavens. Went, and I went, well, wait, wait, let me read it. Am I, what? So and they said, but I am not at liberty if I sign the contract to show it to anyone, like a lawyer or an agent or a manager. And I, and when they do what they do to me, I cannot speak of it or they can sue me, but I can't sue them. And I said, you're the so, fine print. <laughs> and I said, so what are you guys smoking or drinking over there? Are you people out of your mind? This is a very common type of contract because a lot of paranormal reality shows, not a lot of reality shows in general, have been sued by the participants or the people on the show for misrepresentations and falsehoods and deception. And so I told them where they could go, and I made it clear to them that if my face, my name, my voice, my likeness uh, is, even is referred to in their show, I would sue the production company, I would sue the producers who contacted me, and I would sue the network. And of course, so at one point, the woman, Jackie Hernandez, in the show, she did it. She said, well, I called the parapsychologist, and nothing, you hear nothing because they could use my name. And then um, what was interesting is last this, this April... They did another show based on one of my cases, the the um, Cielo Drive case. And so I didn't see it when it first aired because I never watched that network because it's too painful and too idiotic. I'd rather watch <laughs> paint. I'd rather watch Paint Peel than watch their shows. Mm-hmm. So I view, I taped it and I'm watching the show. Complete misrepresentation, as they did with the St. Peter case. They lied about who and what and where and when. What was that? Complete crap. And it's getting worse and worse. Just absolute garbage. So maybe you have to be crazy wait, to watch but, the show. But, well, it was painful to watch it. Yeah. But I was going, well, what else is the look who, look who did it? At the yeah. very end of the show, I discover I'm in the show. Apparently, a friend of mine was shooting a video there in 2006, in the winter of 2006, or like probably February or March 2006, in the case something might happen. And he gave this to the production company or the network, and they put it in the video, and there I am. Oh, boy. I never signed a release allowing them to put me on the show, nor was I compensated. That's against the law. And they're like, they probably, you know, who cares? They don't, you know, they don't care. The reason they kept me in it is they, oh, look, Barry's there. There must be something important. Yeah, what's important is this show can't tell the truth if their life depended on it. <laughs> yeah. 
And the, 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 one of the last blogs I published was on my website was called Cielo Drive Convergence, Convergence, um, the ultimate field laboratory. And it was, in my opinion, partially the high ground of all my work is it helped us consolidate, clarify a lot of the issues we're still dealing with, trying to understand this. But see, here, here is the problem. What, this, what we're talking about now. Um, I'll give an example. In 1998, I was giving a lecture in Anaheim. I forgot where it was. Some groups up talking, and one of my colleagues came with me, you know, Barry Conrad at the time. And uh, so this girl showed up I used to date 20 some odd years earlier. She looked great. No lines, no wrinkles, no fat. I mean, and she comes up and I introduced her to my colleague, Barry Conrad. And, you know, and she said, I need your help. I said, What with? Her name's Linda. What, what do, she said, Well, she said, you've got to help me, Jesus Christ, because the CIA has conspired with demonic aliens who have um, they've helped destroy the world, and they're going to destroy me first because I know what they're doing. And I went, oh, God. And I said, look, Linda, I've got to leave. So Barry and I drove there in one car rather than driving in two, and he said, you dated this, this nut job? I go, when I knew her, she didn't talk like this. So I figured she keeps calling and calling. She shows up unannounced. Uh, about nine or ten months later and uh, I wouldn't let her in because she was talking really weird I said look Linda you sound suicidal the FBI and the CIA conspired with demonic aliens to destroy the world yeah okay I said look no I, no no I, look you sound suicidal you need help go see a psychiatrist immediately no so a few weeks later she called something compelled her to walk in front of a car a moving car she was she was injured but not killed so they let her out. They put her in a 72-hour hold in a psychiatric facility. This is up in Northern California. They released her. They bandaged her up. She was okay. A few months later, she does the same thing again. It must be the CIA and the aliens. Okay. And then she keeps calling me. I keep hanging up on her. I look, I don't want to deal with you unless you're going to get professional help. And then, um, let's see, 2008, she calls in February, actually, February 2nd of 2008. She goes, I need your help. I go, what is it now? Remember, her name's Linda. I said, what is it? What's the problem? Because the Earth's going to explode. I went, oh, God. I uh, Look, I, I couldn't take let this pass. I had to say something funny. Excuse me, Laura. I've got to send baby Kal-El off to his new home world before <laughs> Krypton explodes. You're insane. And hung up on her. She never bothered me again. Okay. This is not that uncommon. Um, there's another person who I met... Uh, Actually, I don't know her directly. Oh, no, actually, let's go back to 1987 when Communion came out. You know, we're Whitley Strieber's book. Whitley Strieber's book. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, between all of us, I don't believe what he's claiming. I think something happened to him, but we may never know what. Yeah. And now that we know that both him and his wife are epileptic, this brings the whole matter into question whether anything happened to him. Huh. But anyway, so uh, MUFON, part of Mutual UFO Network out here, we set up support groups for people who claimed they were abducted, they were coming out of the closet because of the book. So I'm at a meeting in the San Fernando Valley, which is about 25 miles from where I live, and uh, there's one woman there, a girl there named Val, and she's talking about her experience, and my gut feeling from based on what she was describing was the woman needed help, but of a psychiatric type, not the type I could supply her with. So I talked for 20, 30 minutes. No. And that was it. And so years later, I'm online, and she posted a blog saying, she knew instantly upon meeting me that I was sneaky and underhanded, okay? I instantly hypnotized her. I then went home and used psychotronic weapons I have hidden in my basement 
to direct evil entities, demonic entities, to attack and rape her as she walked around during her whatever she was doing. Well, Barry, I've and, always thought you were a reptilian, right. personally. But, but <laughs> and then she goes on to say, and I used her case for the entity book and movie, and I went, what? Wait, the entity case occurred seventy four, seventy five, 75, Culver City, California. Uh, the book came out in 78, 9. The movie came out in 83, but I had the displeasure or misfortune of meeting Val in 87. So the matter would have to be retroactive. And I don't think she understood that problem with temporal causality. Um, thank you very much. Nice to know you. Goodbye. Stay away. Um, <laughs> then last year, about this time, I was put in touch with a woman, business purpose, not nothing personal. And uh, she's talking about her experiences. This is on my site in that blog. And she said, um, what did she say? Yeah, she said, um, can I, uh, she asked if I know if there are any demonic entities attached to her. I went, what? How, what are you talking about? Well, I think that I, my whole life I have trouble sleeping because I feel these entities trying to get into me and kill me. Okay, okay, let's pull a little mark. And then she said, oh, and she said, um, uh, I wonder if you could do me a favor. Could you take my boyfriend back in time to undo his conditioning and programming? He was in a really bad home, so he'd be more normal so we could get married. I went, what? Well, can't you do that? I go, what are you talking about? And then she said, look, um, I, I go out to certain forests every so often where I meet Bigfoot and have mine speak with him. You want to come meet him? I go, no. What forest is it? I can't tell you it's a secret. Okay. She goes, also, you want to go to, um, there's a cave in Greece for aliens hang out. You want to go be, be, with me there to meet them? I go, I can go a few miles southeast of where I live, and there's aliens all over the place. And she didn't like that either. And I said, look, lady, you need help. And I said, um, this is the tip of an iceberg. I mean, I said, I don't want to hear from you again. I said, you're psychotic. You had a complete breakdown. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, See, like you open the show with, I think a lot of times, not a lot, I should say, some of the time, people who are mentally ill have delusions or hallucinations, audiovisual, which to them suggests it's a paranormal experience versus their brain generating a fantasy inside their head. Mm -hmm. And as a scientist, as a researcher, it's our job to make, help them differentiate between what's only going on in their head and what's really going on in the world around them. If they're if they're only paying attention to what's going on in their head, they're dissociative. They're they've lost touch with physical reality. Mm -hmm. um, another instance: um, early last year, this woman who uh, I met through an old to a friend, to a colleague, she called me, and I already knew who she was to other people, and uh, she claims to be a uh, MK Ultra Montauk super victim. What? Uh, okay. Okay, so I'm, I'm, uh, she said, oh, well, they've, they've been using psychotronic harassment to destroy her and screw her brain up. Psychotronic harassment. Oh, and certain musical groups play who all work for the CIA, they sent out things, and they were frying her from a distance. And I'm going, oh. These okay. people must think that they're awfully important. Well, remember, if you're living inside your head, you believe the fantasy you're generating in your side. Mm -hmm. You we don't know that this isn't happening. And I'm listening to her talk online. I think she's posted this woman. I'm going, 
you know, if they believe what they're saying, they're psychotic. If they're, they know it's a lot of crap and they're doing it for some other reason, they're opportunists. They're well, trying to deprive people of their money by making them think that they can help you. Well, let me ask you one or two questions here, and Ben, certainly you yeah. can jump in too. Uh, now, again, as we've talked about before, uh, my background is, is not the same as yours. It's in theology and philosophy, and I did right. grad, work, grad work in psychology. So in right. the context of seminary studies and grad studies in psychology, I was working at uh, Augsburg State Hospital in upstate New York with yeah. a priest. And ostensibly I was there for that reason, but also there were... Situations that would arise where they were very hush-hush, of course, the doctors would, would wonder if, gee, maybe there's something going on with, that needs an exorcism. And the first thing we would look for, as, as you implied in the beginning of the show, was uh, things that were, you, know, you eliminate all other possibilities and things that were occurring outside of the patient. In other words, if you'd be in the patient's room, things would get bad and things would start flying off shelves on the other side of the room and that there was a you know telekinetic activity that had, could not have been physically affected by the patient right and um, as a parapsychologist you might have other explanations for that but at the time i don't agree with what we did either but there there was the exorcism situation that did take place on a number of occasions in which i was present so uh but I, it it seems to me and again this this is all circumstantial simply observation on my part it seemed to me that there were times when certain people who had been diagnosed schizophrenic, and this is back in the 70s when there were far more inpatients than there are today, mm -hmm. uh, that, that people were at times experiencing worlds that really were there. You know, I just that was the impression from things that were going on around us. And I wanted to ask you, what in your, in your opinion, is it possible that, how can I put this, that... Um, People, things that, that we interpret as, I suppose, schizophrenia, where you're going to hear, hear voices and see things, can at times be doors that are actually open to real, shall we say, parallel worlds in the quantum physical sense. Yeah. Uh, have you ever encountered anything that made yeah, you suspicious it, it, about it, that? It's like the catch funny too. You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, the cart or the horse? Um, we, like, for example, we see, I worked on cases that began as, clearly paranormal and it's in my book and it evolved to the point where the person had a complete breakdown emotionally they had a complete you know collapse yeah uh they needed inpatient psychiatric work or intervention with medication and therapy in other cases that began as that then it evolved into something paranormal you see because there are no there are no solid answers out there we can't flip a switch and say oh this is what it is, but sure. that's what it is. Yeah. We know there are some boundaries out there. There are some things we know for sure, but we also know that very weak electromagnetic fields and geomagnetic fields can have very demonstrable and powerful effects on human neurophysiology and perception. Very true. They can yep. make us see, feel, and hear things that are not there. Mm -hmm. But to us, they appear that they are there. And what makes this even more complicated is, as we talked of when I was on your show last time, it's in my book and on my website, well, well I've discovered, as have other academic brethren in the field, that I'd say the majority, if not all, of the people I've investigated, mostly my cases have been people's homes. I don't go to businesses generally because, you know, you can't do much there. But we, we see the patterns that are very distinct. And the three, are, three or four as follows. One pattern is that the... Uh, uh, the environment seems to be a little 
different geomagnetically, electromagnetically, somewhat anomalous. Two, one or more of the individuals in the environment are hypersensitive to this energy, and they tend to be either seizure-prone or epileptic, but they may, and they very likely may not even know it. And if this environment drives their nervous system and triggers it beside the seizures, or it could be something simple as sleep disorders, where they have muscular spasms to prevent them from sleeping, if it triggers it, you'll have recurrent, spontaneous psychokinetic events. Major ones. Heavy objects moved around, people moved around, furniture moved around, um, fires breaking out, uh, luminous anomalies. Um, and I'd say this makes up about 99.99% of my case files. It's, an, it's real, it's paranormal, but in the end of result, in the end result, it's a coupling, an inductive coupling between living human beings who are hypersensitive to the electromagnetic or geomagnetic anomalous environment. Okay. And we could go into the and we can predict what we're going to find, and we keep finding it over and over again. That faces may change, the fla- the places may change, but what we run into does not. And there's continuity. I suspect. If you could do a really good study of people who travel the world, you know, whatever, vacationing, and they go to famous haunted locations, most people go there, nothing happens. A real small percentage, maybe one-tenth of one percent might go there, and while they're there, something happens. Those are the ones that nervous systems are wired a little differently. The energy they're coupled with them and they're unconscious or subconscious mediates what's going on. It's like watching a DVD. You need the DVD player. It's got to be plugged in the wall. The DVD must be in the player. There must be someone to operate the player itself. If any part of that ensemble is missing, nothing shows up on the screen. Okay, Barry, you have to stop. You have to take a break. Sure. But you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Our guest, Dr. Barry Taff, famous parapsychologist and author. We'll be right back. So stay with us, and we'll maintain our good relationship. In times of joy, in moments of grief, broadcasters come through, even when all else fails. Today, with more ways than ever to experience the moments that transform our lives, Americans still choose broadcast radio and television more than all other media combined. We are the local broadcasters of radio and television, reaching more people, Touching more lives. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. You can depend on us for public service. Owen Radio. Lou Mandeville here to tell you the only place to get your local high school and college scores, as well as the Pats, Bruins, Celtics, and Sox is on my morning sports reports. And they are right here on ON 1240 Monday through Friday on the Morning Fun Show. Okay, and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. I wanted to tell you, of course, first of all, about the, some of the charities Ben and I have adopted. Uh, these are mostly veterans charities, and we certainly wanted to tell you about uh, certainly Canadian veterans advocacy for our Canadian listeners, marvelous uh, charity that deserves your support. Right, your, your support, uh, CanadianVeteransAdvocacy.org. And also, also we have... Um, uh, Builders Helping Heroes, locally, they are building a house in Burlville, Rhode Island, in our local listening area for a veteran who lost both his legs in Afghanistan, uh, Marine Corporal Kevin Dubois and his wife, and that house is almost ready. So check that out, too, buildershelpingheroes.org. Uh, also, there's the, uh, uh, in Fall River, Massachusetts, so locally here in New England, too, uh, Homes for Our Troops, 
And uh, ch- so check that out and usacares.org as well. These are all charities Ben and I uh, have checked out, and they're, they're uh, very, very effective in what they do, and the money goes where it should. So let's get back to our guest, Dr. Barry Taft, well-known parapsychologist, and uh, certainly a um, someone of uh, probably this is vintage uh, of my own, I guess. Uh, certainly one of the few who's been involved in this, I think, longer than I have. So, uh, Barry, um, why don't you continue to talk about cases where? Uh, well, well, actually, let me, let me ask you a question before we get going again. Sure. Um, what about um, at, at what point do you draw a line where you say? Okay, well, well, this person obviously is crazy. I mean, the people talking about, you know, psychotronic stuff going on. Where do you draw that line? Well, for example, I'll give you it. When the, the Amityville, Horror, Amityville Horror book came out, and they were the movie, so I was called, I was on with the Lutzes and Jay Anson on a show, oh, gee, yeah, CBS News show here in Los Angeles. So the host was, I think, Mario Machado, really nice guy. And he said, what do you think? I said, I wasn't impressed with the book. I thought it was poorly written. And I said, I don't believe a word of it. He goes, why? I said, because nothing in it resembles anything anyone's ever written of before. It sounds like they had too much to drink and too much to smoke. And I said, it may make a great movie, but as far as it being real, no. And, you know, retroactive investigation by my, and a colleague of mine who's now passed away, Dr. William Rowe, he couldn't verify a single thing in the book. Nothing. The only thing that was proven to be valid of that case was the fact that the Defoe killings happened in that house. That's okay. it. So you have a legend, a myth built on complete fabrication and fiction. Um, you know, we we have had cases where violence has occurred in environments and there appears to be a haunting that remains behind, and perhaps that violent trauma leaves behind a residual information and gets stored if the environment is proper, and the environment is the right person comes into it, they act like the laser DVD player, it plays back. Well, we could argue about that, but go ahead. That's yeah. what most people yeah. believe. See, the thing is, I'm not discounting the possibility of discarded intelligence of spirits or ghosts. I'm saying that the most of this, see, we're, we're, I think we're being fooled. Um, for example, there's two types of psychokinesis. One is the stuff in the lab. Um, uh, it's called microscopic, affecting random event generators, used to right, be yeah. random number generators of computer programs. Or then there, okay, and that, it, there's fatigue scene and there's exhaustion scene on the part of the persons who manifested. Okay, and it's voluntary to a point. Then you've got the macroscopic type involved in poltergeist cases, which is what I've been looking at for a long time. That is involuntary. It's recurrent, spontaneous psychokinesis. It's, it's macroscopic because very heavy, sometimes massive objects, like big people, like furniture, can be picked up and thrown around like they weighed a few micrograms. Yeah, I've seen Yet, it. Yeah, but see, this is what's amazing. The energies we know of in the world, there's only four primarily ones. Uh, well, yeah, there's gravity, strong, weak nuclear forces, and there's electromagnetism. There's electro-weak, but that kind of mixes in the other two, some of the others. Um, before any of those energies really do work, especially the ones other than gravity, uh, they produce heat as a byproduct, second law of thermodynamics. In these cases, not only does the environment not get hot, it gets cold, which tells us that whatever is at work here is an energy that we don't understand or know about. The way it affects our bodies is magnetic, but the force itself is not. And I think we're looking at gift ghost in the mouth. I think that the energy here, if we learn what it is and how to tap into it, it could have demonstrably positive effects 
on future history. On well, a lot of people are saying that, yeah. yeah. That this, call it zero-point energy, for lack of a better term, it's endothermic energy, and everything else is exothermic. And it appears that, for example, one of our, we ran these ESP training groups, remote viewing training at UCLA, started in 7, they ran through, well, actually through about 87, even after we left the campus. And some of the people who were star performers, who were really good at it, um, many of them developed emotional problems. Because you could turn it on pretty easily, but they couldn't turn it off. Mm. Mm. And they picked things up that were very upsetting, traumatizing people's accidents, people's death. And one of the guys, I won't mention his name, he was a writer, and he got really, really strange. And then he ended up becoming an interfaith minister, and he's talking to God all the time. There's an old saying that was on the X-Files. Uh, I've said this on a number of live TV show, uh, recorded TV shows. They won't air it. Uh, Mulder says to Scully, he goes, people talk to God all day when call that prayer, but when God or the dead talk back, you're schizophrenic. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, well, it yep, depends yep, on yep, the yep. society and, and the norms of any given society. For example, if you have a shamanic society, right. uh, you know, an animistic society, right. these people would be considered holy. Right. Here exactly. we consider them crazy. And now, actually, they're holy here, but not with a... It, it, the whole is actually with an H-O-L-E. It, it's a little... <laughs> uh, it's, um, the problem is, uh, this field. one of the main things holding this field back is the amount of quackery associated with it. Some of the comments I made, and there are a lot of these stories are in my book and on my website. And, I mean, I could make this stuff up if I wanted to. I remember, um, example, I met this really beautiful girl on a, set up on a blind date. This is 87. Really stunning. She, uh, kind of name doesn't matter what her name is. Short, brunette, beautiful face, hair, eyes, it's stunning. So we went out and, uh, having dinner and I, there was something really weird about her. I mean, just, you know, very attractive and something very unpleasant about her persona. And so she said her bed is haunted. I go, all right, yeah, okay. And there was no sexual chemistry at all. I mean, she was a little frightening, to be honest. And, uh, go back to her place, sit in the bed. I sit in the bed, I go, ow, see? So I pick up the mattress. Underneath this mattress, there's a g- bunch of giant amethyst crystals with the points going up. Yeah. And I said, I got the point. Did you? Oh, well, no, never, never, never mind. Never, never mind. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, still, it's Monday. We can accept yeah, these. Right. We can accept well, well, Barry, let me ask you this. All right, now... Uh, some of the cases I've been involved with, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical too. I like to think yeah. I am, but I, I like to think maybe also I have, I don't know. We, 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 since the 70s, have been getting into the quantum mechanics thing and all sorts of possibilities and all that. The example of the, I think, and we talked about this the last time you were on, I believe, uh, the Bridgeport Poltergeist case of 1974. Now, I, admittedly, I was working with Anne Lorraine Warren, so, yeah. you know, I won't say anymore. But the, the, it was, you'd get a kick out of this too. The, the police, accused us of at least in one accusation was uh, Ed Warren was causing the phenomena from his house by witchcraft. I mean, you tell me anything that's crazier than what actually happened. Well, no, I mean, so it's a pot calling the kettle black. Well, well, yeah. But I mean, I was there, I saw this stuff and I deal with skeptics all the time and I have the greatest respect for skepticism as long as it isn't super skepticism in the sense of, you know, I I can't control the world and I can't deal with that, therefore I have to deny everything. So, and, and you've seen stuff too. But I, I'm, I, I always use the phrase, you know, um, or the sentence, I, I was there and you were not. And, and I think that creates a problem in even the craziest cases. And believe me, I, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said, but I think that certain aspects have to be considered uh, 
Oh, no, you're 100% correct. I agree. In fact, I was on a show in the mid-90s with this debunker, uh, one of the heads of Psycop. And, oh, you know, man. and I started out explaining, I said, look, I won't use his name because we don't want to promote him. Well, I we said, know look, who he is. Right, right. I said, if these events were never experienced or reported by people, we wouldn't be here. Well, exactly. If we could recreate them on command and they worked reliably, we wouldn't be here discussing this. The fact they occur some of the time, not all the time, and we can't control their occurrence in a controlled situation means that we're ignorant. So, okay, so he, I, and I said, I understand the nature of science. I was trained as a scientist, but I said, okay, I took a pen out of my jacket. I gave it to him on the air. Can you see the pen? He goes, yeah. Close your eyes. What? Just close your eyes. Can you see the pen now? He goes, no. <laughs> okay, that's all I want to know. Everyone started laughing. Yeah. I said, look, sir, we were there. You weren't. You're telling us you know what happened. What are you, God? Yeah. You're omniscient? Yeah. And this is the thing. And then after the show, he was actually a nice guy once we got out of that environment. And I've learned who some of the people are, groups that fund these professional debunkers. You know who the groups are? Uh, probably, but go ahead. Maybe the listeners don't. Uh, Department of Defense. Yeah. And DARPA. And also um, one of the intelligence groups. That's very interesting. Why do you think that is? To keep people ignorant and stupid, to deflect them. See, disinformation works one of two ways. Um, you, you get a, a tremendous truth at the core. You surround it with a lot of lies. And once the lies are exposed as being not real, you know, the lies are exposed as lies, the truth is dragged down with them. The opposite is true, where at the core is a complete piece of crap surrounded by a lot of facts. And, oh, look, everything else is true, so this must be true. This is a common way people's perception and beliefs are manipulated, especially with ufology, but also with the paranormal. After the formal remote viewing program ended long ago, um, it, what, what the government was so paranoid that our enemies, whoever they might have been or be, might use this technique against us, the government went out of the way to hire some professional debunking statisticians to redo the statistics and claim, oh, nothing happened. We were misled. This mm -hmm. isn't what we thought it was. We were wrong. This is to prevent enemies from using it against us because there's no way to shield against it. There's no machine to set up that could stop this ability other than the person being sick who's trying it or being nauseous or uh, they're all wired and they can't focus. Yeah. But the government, you know... It's like in ufology, there are so many crackpots, dingbats, um, space cadets out there. They don't need disinformation agents. The crazy people do it on their own. Yeah. But the, the government is extremely paranoid about many of these things because they, they want to make sure that we do not have the knowledge and the power. Mm -hmm. My guess is if the population of this country knew what's really going on, they'd freak out. With a lot of things. I think they wouldn't, I think they'd be left very uh, insecure and with ufology. The evidence, this is in my book and on my website, we very likely have an inconceivable past and a um, unimaginable future that we may not be who we think we are. We may have come from a source different than we thought. And if the government, if this ever comes out, um, it could create massive chaos. Well, I, I could probably go you one better on that, Barry, but I want to give you a chance before we burn yeah. up this hour. This has been sure. a real quick hour, thanks to thanks to your uh, excellent information. Yeah. Tell us about the book and the website, where okay. people can get the book, etc. Okay, 
The book is called Aliens Above, Ghosts Below, Exploration of the Unknown. It covers a lot of my cases. That's the first section, is hauntings, ghosts, uh, apparitions, whatever. The second is on ufology and the links we've seen between UFO cases and the paranormal. The third is about space-time consciousness of the paranormal, and it tries to tie everything together. The purpose of the book is to inform and educate while in edu- uh, entertaining people. Um, I've gotten some really good reviews on Amazon about it. And one lady said she would have given me five stars, but she didn't like the fact that I talked about a lot of beautiful girls I used to date. I go, but <laughs> I talked about them because yeah. the situation was relevant to this book, to, the, to what I'm discussing, to the subject matter. Sure. And then she said uh, that you kept going from serious signs to jokes and puns. Hey, it's still, I'm, I'm George Carlin in another life. No, I, <laughs> I can't help it. Um, so you can find that on like a, an Amazon or, or um, Barnes and Noble. It is in Barnes and Noble bookstores. And the, uh, my website is BarryTaft.net. I have, uh, I, I think, eighty-four published blogs covering a lot of what I've, we've talked about here and much more. And again, the purpose is not simply to entertain you. The purpose is that when you're done reading my book and reading what I've written on my site, you'll learn something to carry on what I've been doing beyond my existence. Excellent. So the science continues. Yes, good. Okay. Is it possible, in your experience or in your opinion or both, that we have in our mental health programs or just running around the streets people who have legitimate let's say shamanic abilities and personally i've always thought that what is generally referred to as psychic ability is is a survival mechanism that our ancestors had or they wouldn't have had any descendants you know from a survival standpoint uh, that, that there are people with shamanic abilities running around who are diagnosed incorrectly in i suppose the broadest sense as being psychotic uh, or are otherwise let's say abused for their gifts uh, and that they really do have these gifts you think that's uh that's possible. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've had a few run-ins with individuals over the course of time at UCLA and out, outside of that environment where people were very gifted in what they were doing. They might have been misinterpreting it, but the problem was those people around them were terrified, frightened, and they actually were uh, very negative about it. And then the people having these experiences had to withdraw, or they lose everything. And so you got a conflict between the way you're living and what's going on with you. Uh, like I said, if I had a dollar for every crazy person I've met, I could retire. If I had a dollar for every person I've met who's having these types of incredible experiences that society doesn't tolerate or accept, I'd have even more money. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, uh, the well problem put. is where do you draw the line? Yes. And it's like with the girl I mentioned from 1987. A stunning girl, and she claimed she was uh, a psychic and whatever. I don't know. Um, but the whole point is what I'm getting at here is that is it real or is it in, the, in a person's head? And then the great case, 19, no, no, 2008, San Fernando Valley, great case. The number of us are out there. The woman, very attractive, blue eyed blonde, she's married to a pilot. He flew uh, for airlines. And uh, there was so much 60 hertz noise in the house, you could fry an egg. I went in there with three other people, and we instant headaches like we were in a hyperbaric oxygen facility or under deep water. And she was taking meds, for antipsychotic meds. Once she stopped taking them, she started having all these audio and visual and tactile hallucinations that things were trying to tear her apart. 
once she started taking the meds, everything calmed down again. And of course, she's, she is epileptic. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. See, that there's, there's a direct relationship between all of this. You can't say it's this or that. Um, the, the case I worked on, on Cielo Drive, 2005 and six. I went there 20 times over the course of a year. I got sick there 20 times. I passed out there twice. I didn't even know it. And um, a lot of other people who went there got ill. Not because of any demons or spirits. The site is a, honest to God, U.S. Geological Survey geomagnetic anomaly site. Mm-hmm. The magnetic field is so high that some of us can't tolerate it. And there's all these luminous anomalies, disembodied voices, um, psychokinetic events. Uh, but the question is, is this a product totally of some spiritual phenomena present or entities? Or is it because the energy is so powerful there, it taps into certain people and they trigger it? Well, the question arises, how do we define reality? In other words, everything ultimately is in our heads, literally in the case of our five physical senses. Uh, information is sent to, by, by our, our, our neurons, etc., you know, to, I should say, our, our you know, sensory organs, right. to our brains. We have no direct perception. Like yeah. you said, it's great. We don't see something. We see light emitted or reflected by other things. We don't hear anything. We hear a compression wave that we end up hearing in our outer, in our inner ear. Smell is olfactory molecules that goes into our nose. We smell it. Touch is tactile. Um, so all this is indirect. Everything is indirect. Well, on the and, issue, yes, well, that's true. And on the issue, too, of, of mental illness versus the paranormal or as part or whatever you want to call it, I don't think our language is quite up to actually talking about some of these things. Uh, I had two cases in, in days of yore as a student uh, where there were uh, you know, a dissociative identity disorder, commonly known as multiple personalities. These people had at least, each of them had six different personalities at least, sometimes more. And th- these personalities would come through and they would have different voices. Um, yeah, needless to say, that kind of affected me in the sense of throwing me for a loop and making me wonder. What say you? Yeah, I mean, we had a case in the 70s again, I think 75. Uh, that seemed to be the he- those at times of the heyday. Yeah, really absolutely. Cases. Um, I won't use the man's name because I haven't dealt with him in a long time, but he claimed to have been abducted. We couldn't prove it or not. He suddenly, his body changed very rapidly, his hair changed rapidly. And at one point he collapsed. We put him on his, in his bed, and a fire belched out, forming a perfect circle around him. We examined the, the, the bed linens. There was no accelerant on the material, so why did it catch in the fire? Why did it catch fire and burn? We don't know. Yeah. And also we have an audio recording of him uh, in this trance, and he's making these really odd sounds. And we ran it through some uh, spectrum analyzers, and the people said, it was, this is not a person, this is a machine. What? Pure sine waves coming out of his mouth? No. Nothing living can do that. Not a human or animal. There's overtones or harmonics. So, look, we, no, 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 you, you were full. Look, it was my recorder, my microphone, my tape, everything was, no, 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 this is a trick. This is from FBI analysis. Mm-hmm. They said, look, this, you were being fooled, this is a trick. So, okay, well, we know we weren't full because we were the controlling it. So what do we experience? And this is the problem. When people don't like what they hear, they tear the messenger apart. Yes. And there was a guy, I remember we went back in the 90s, Barry Conrad and I were out of there, these two uh, 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 physicists from Caltech or JPL. 
So we were showing them some footage we captured on San Pedro case, and they said, oh, this guy's been fooled, this is this. We told them, no, 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 it's all a hoax. So they were denied. I said to the guys, let me, question, there was father and son, both physicists worked at Caltech and JPL. Let's say this big, thick, rosewood uh, coffee table lifted up and flew across the room and crashed. What would you think? It wouldn't happen. I said, I didn't ask you that. If it did, what? No, okay, so fine, we're leaving. Turn back to the guys. I said, uh, well, before we leave, look, guys, one more question. Yeah. You guys believe in God? They looked at each other. No. They hesitate. Why do you, why'd you ask us that? If you said yes, that means you're a hypocrite. Because you can't prove or disprove <laughs> the existence of God. Yeah. If you believe in God, then why don't you believe in the paranormal events? And they knew where I was going with it. So, you know, the problem is, here we are, psychical research began in 1882 in the United Kingdom. And a lot of it was crap, but there was, uh, spiritualism and, uh, it evolved into something quite impressive over mm-hmm. the decades, yeah. over the century. And uh, what's interesting is where we are today with the three blind men touching an elephant. So one blind man holds the elephant's leg, go, it's a tree trunk. The other holds the elephant's trunk and thinks it's the hose. The third holds the elephant's tail, thinks it's the rope. They're all wrong because they can't see the elephant. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. We're yeah. the blind leading the blind. We're investigating the effects of unknown causes. Yes, that's well put. And, yeah, and that's the way. Or imagine you're on a lake, you're vacationing with your family and friends, and you see a wake being produced in the water, but you can't see the boat. Well, then what produced the wake? Well, I don't know, but I see the wake. But what's producing the wake? I don't know. That's where we are. Yeah, we have. Um, they don't like us very much, but we sometimes, well, I'm sure we have a lot of uh, ghost hunter types who listen to the show. They're always trying to get on, and we don't really, are too interested in them, because they, they all say the same things. Yeah. What would you say to them, as far as, I always say don't, but they don't listen. What, what would you say to them, as far as what we've been talking about this evening, how to judge uh, I, what remember, These people, again, these shows are entertainment. Underline the word entertainment. It's not a documentary. It's not science. They're there to produce entertainment for the ignorant masses. I have to keep going back to that. Um, these, you know, none of them are. These people are not scientists. Everything is scripted. Everything is formatted. And oh, did you feel that? Oh, did you see that? And did you see what was that? It's yeah, did you hear crap. that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and it's a joke. It's and they're boring, like to the point where. You know, I hope they're making good money because that's all, that's it. These are, they're being paid to make television. Exactly. And in the end, it, it's like when the alien autopsy thing came out in the 90s. It was obviously a hoax. And, th- and then the guy who did it did an- another show showing that it was a hoax. So now if anything like that really surfaces, that's real, people say, oh, we've seen that before, it's a bunch of crap. Sure. And that's probably why it was done. Yeah, it's and, very likely. And this is the problem. This yeah. is this is the problem. You, it, we're dealing with a science that has no boundaries. There are no laws governing it yet. And you know, it's one of the reasons we lost the lab at UCLA was back back in the late seventies was that we were getting too much publicity. Um, I in L.A. two shows there got nominated for an Emmy for one of them. Big deal. Ghost, but it's called Ghost Hunters. Before long before that stupid show on television. Now. And then, uh, uh, let's see, for LA Times view section, front page, May 1976, and then, uh, what else? Oh, and then, oh, I was on ABC News for a week straight. The university was terrified. They were humiliated. They were embarrassed. 
because look at the publicity. This is crap. So they, and this is on my website. Uh, the blog is called Legacy's End. Talks about the lab. Talks about why it died, how it died. UCLA couldn't tolerate it anymore. So they pulled the plug and they gave the lab to people that had funding. And the irony is, I could have gotten funding from the National Science Foundation and the Institute of Health. They were open, not ghost hunting. This is the lab work. UCLA went, no way. No way. They that, And then also the government, uh, defense and uh, intelligence groups, were going to fund the remote viewing program with us at UCLA. And UCLA went, no way. We want nothing to do with this. Well, the same thing happened to Duke, really. I knew well, people I mean, it, down yeah, there. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the uh, remote viewing moved up to Stanford, you know, SRI, the whole bit. And that's history. And here we are. And uh, But it's okay. It's like most, like, look, we study history. There's no money in it. We learn about who we are, and then we lie about our past. <laughs> right. you know? So it's, uh, it, 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 people don't get it. There's a very, very, it's, 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 in what today it's more politically incorrect at the university level than it was when I was back there in the late 60s yeah. and 70s. Absolutely. Barry, I'm afraid we're going to have to end it. Because I hate to do it because it's been a fascinating oh, no. conversation, but we're just about out of time. Okay. And we wanted to thank uh, Dr. Barry Taff, a renowned parapsychologist. Uh, one more time, give us your book and website, Barry. Okay. Uh, it's called Aliens Above, Ghosts Below on uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and my website is barrytaff.net. Excellent. Well, it won't be another three years, I'll assure All you right. that, and we'll talk okay. to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Okay. So, everyone, this is the big weekend. Ben and I will be in Levinster, Massachusetts on this Saturday, the 26th, to co-host the movie venue and do live audience interviews with the speakers at the first New England UFO conference. Among the speakers will be some of the UFO experts who are regulars on our show, Stanton Friedman, Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, and the famous Travis Walton of Fire in the Sky fame. It will all be there, among others. And there will be an outdoor Halloween festival going on at the same time, as we understand it. Tickets are available for purchase at the Any UFO Conference vpweb.com site. There's a link on our own uh, show homepage to that, behindtheparanormal.com. And this Wednesday, October 23rd, we will present our program, Behind the Paranormal, A Cosmic Journey, at the Lincoln, Rhode Island Public Library at 6 p.m. And it's free, and there will be refreshments. And in the meantime, visit our show website, behindtheparanormal.com, where you can find over 500 free podcasts of all our past shows, and also check out our site at www newenglandghosts.com where there are case studies and photos along with articles by my dad. And you can find books written by moi on uh, Barnes & Noble Nook e-reader, Amazon Kindle, Amazon.com, etc., etc. If you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will autograph them for you and you will help keep us help us keep those all those podcasts free. They're free. <laughs> they are free, right. Uh, also on our sites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I mentioned, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. On our CBS radio edition of the show, on Sunday, October 27th in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Windsor, and Seattle, Vancouver, we will bring you an online show, I should say an, uh, an open line show, to discuss your thoughtful comments and questions on all paranormal subjects. So write to us at paul at behindthebaranormal.com or via the show Facebook page. And uh, next Monday, October 28th, uh, right here on WON1240 and on world, onworldwide.com, we welcome back researcher Ryan Maloney. And, uh, Mullahy. Mullahy, sorry. Uh, whatever. For a look at Weird New Hampshire. We we'll leave you this evening with a thought from Ben's favorite philosopher, Rene Descartes. Mm. 
Go ahead and grow, and I don't blame you. If you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt, as far as possible, all things. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.